Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Hallelujah. As I was doing some research on the triumphal entry of the Lord into Jerusalem, I realized how important it was. It was not a by-the-way entrance. This was mentioned in Old Testament scriptures. This is how the Messiah will enter. His first entrance, out of the secondary time when he comes, he'll be different. Here he comes as a lamb. When he comes the second time, he'll come as a lion of Judah. And uh, believe me, that that manifests authority like nothing else and every particle of it. If you've been around a real lion, and I, I used to go hunting when I was in Africa and experienced the lion creeping up near our tents. And my, I, it was a singular tent. And something was snuffy outside. It was a small tent tent. And then a big giant hammer hit me on the jaw. And I realized it was his tail that was just he's swinging. And it almost broke my jaw. Uh, I said, there is something outside. <laughs> and then he roared and went, you do not want to be around next, right there, to a roar of a lion. Everything in your body will tremble and bow. Even my kidneys bowed. So I did, I did not wear a diaper at that time. So it's just awesome. Bonnie Woods. <laughs> well, I'll try to follow that. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. So, yes, this event, this triumphal entry, um, Mark's gospel is the oldest recording. And between Mark and John, we have a, a comprehensive. Uh, report of what actually happened. But as with so many things by the eyewitnesses, if we had been there personally and individually in the season, in the dynamic, within the culture, among the disciples, we would have heard and seen a few details that our Bibles leave out. And in some ways, the eyewitnesses uh, we're not thinking those details would be important because in their context, they really were expecting the return of the Lord, i.e. the resurrected Jesus, to come back potentially in their lifetime. And so it's a miracle that the word has been preserved for us and has come down to us through the other miracle of our salvation and the sending of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to just um, add to some of Pastor's remarks today on the triumphal entry um, into Jerusalem. And Mark, Mark's uh, intention with the way he wrote the report of this event was specifically to display the identity of Jesus as the Messiah, as the one fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies about the coming 
of the Messiah God. And so that's why in there it's written the way that it is. And one of the aspects is the record of Jesus knowing in advance and saying so many of the things that in advance that would happen during the Passion Week. They include the finding of the donkey and the details that Pastor read. They include the arrangement for the Passover meal. They include Judas' betrayal and Peter's threefold denial and the disciples deserting him and Jesus being delivered over to the Gentiles, his scourging, his humiliation, and his execution. And all of those things were predicted in Old Testament prophecy. And Jesus, who had up until this time, had said to his disciples, if you remember, he kept saying, don't tell anyone what has been revealed to you. So he kept his, the revelation of his identity as the Messiah Israel was looking for, the king that was to come, as much as possible. He kept that secret until this event. And it was the entry into Jerusalem that he showed his sovereign lordship, that he showed that it was his deliberate intention to go to his death for the sins of Israel and ultimately of the whole world. And all of the events, the logistics of what he did were the, uh, the pictures of the demonstration of the expectation of Israel for thousands of years for this king to come. But then he did a few things that actually precipitated, and he did on purpose, that actually precipitated bringing on his own death. So in a way, the triumphal entry was setting the ball rolling that was to come and crush him for the sin of the world. But that in and of itself shows that he was the sovereign Lord and he chose to lay down his life for us. The, uh, Luke says that he set his face towards Jerusalem. It's a fulfillment of Isaiah 50, that he set his face like a flint um, to, to go up to Jerusalem. But the timeline uh, from the synoptics and, and particularly Mark and John, we see that Jesus began his entry into the holy city at this time for Holy Week going from Jericho. And by this time, you remember the story of blind Bartimaeus who cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Well, that particular uh, phrase or shout was indicative of the mentality of the populace that was seeing Jesus and had been seeing him for three years, performing miracles, gathering a great following. Uh, of, uh, this was part of what was um, upsetting the religious hierarchy because the scripture says that the whole nation was going after him. They themselves, because of the great works that he was doing and the gathering of the people, they, the, the people themselves had begun to take up this thing that this guy was the Messiah they were expecting and he was going to march into Jerusalem, throw the Romans out, sit on the throne of David there, make himself king and fulfill everything that the prophets had promised. However... That was not the way God was going to do it. And so six days before um, the Passover, 
Jesus is staying. He comes from Jericho into Bethany where he stays with his friends at Lazarus' house, Mary and Martha, there to serve him. The events in the gospel recording Mary pouring the alabaster jar on his feet and Judas saying, you know, this money could have been given to the poor. It's sort of typical of what can happen with a religious spirit working when a pure act of worship comes out. We, we still experience those kind of things. Um, in our own lives. So he, it was probably um, Sunday or Monday that he actually makes this entry in. And the, the crowd that gathers around him to throw their robes down and the palm branches down and all that, it's this growing wave of the expectation that this was the moment, that even his disciples thought the end of the Roman oppressors. The fulfillment of all God's promises, the establishment of Israel and their kingdom among the nations of the earth. And so in this growing surge of popularity, if you will, starting in Jericho, the, the people have been coming out to Bethany now for a few days. So the mob is gathering for this great event, and that's why there was a crowd hailing him coming into Jerusalem and throwing down their robes It was a, uh, and, and laying the palm branches in two events in the Old Testament, both with Jehu and with David. They laid their robes down as Jehu was, Jehu was being anointed as king to get rid of Ahab and Jezebel and turn the whole thing back to God. Likewise with David, and they cut palms and put them on the highway. So this was what was happening on this day. And everybody knew this was the guy, and now is the time. And it's unusual because we know the story. Jesus comes into this great hail and he goes into the temple, and of course, all the people are following him and expecting the great announcement, castigate the Romans, the rebellion will start, overflow, they'll retake it, which it did happen about 30 years later, but that was also what the temple was, you know, going to be destroyed, et cetera, et cetera. But it says that Jesus went into the temple, and he looked around, and he walked out. And he went back to Bethany. That was the little spark that the religious leaders used in the event before Pilate, where the, the remember the mob, it was uh, Pilate said, I have Barabbas and I have Jesus. Who do you want? Well, by now, the people were in a furor and they were feeling like this guy. We have been following him for three years. All the things he said, and he comes in, and we welcome him as the Messiah, and he turns around and leaves. So that's one of the intentional events that was a setup for that stone to roll and crush Jesus so that we might not be crushed ultimately. Fabulous stuff. So then he does come on Tuesday. You remember he comes back into the temple, cleanses the temple on Tuesday. Then on Thursday, the Last Supper, his betrayal and arrest. And then on Friday, the trial, where he is crucified, dead, and buried. And 
um, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, where Paul says, for Christ, our Passover has been slain. And it's interesting because in the keeping of the calendars, which the Jewish tradition is very good at, and the study of that, there is a, a suggestion that this actual day, the actual Passover day, was either on April 3rd on 31 or April 7th on 33. And even that is interesting. I mean, it's not so much about the dates, but I thought, you know, this year, again, with Passover and Easter converging, and interestingly enough, historians and, and theologians are saying that it was in that first week of April there that, that Jesus was probably actually crucified. And um, we know that the scripture says that he was, he was crucified at 3 p.m., and 3 p.m. was the moment, the hour, when in the temple, the priests would have begun to sacrifice the Passover lambs that every house was bringing. And so if you see the bird's eye view of what was happening in the city of Jerusalem as the, the center of the whole world and, in fact, the whole cosmos, you have two systems or three that are in abject, adversarial positioning to one another and two are what scripture refers to as natural and human governments are predatory in one way or the other whether it was the religious hierarchy or the roman um, governments the roman empire predatory controlling upon the people and contrasting with the other kingdom being established through the lamb absolutely beautiful so um as, as Pastor mentioned, the thing about the cult in Mark 11, 1 through 7, the cult that was chosen, a donkey. And that was interesting because uh, Jesus, as compared to riding in on a horse like a king or a conqueror would, he chose a donkey specifically as a beast of burden. And even that, in fulfillment of Zechariah, he was, he was fulfilling intentionally the prophecies about the suffering servant laying down his life for the sins of the world. So, um, uh, sorry, Matthew's, Matthew's uh, intention in his gospel is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, that Jesus had foreknowledge and sovereign mastery over every event, that he wasn't a victim, he wasn't taken unexpectedly, and uh, ruled over by the events that led to his betrayal, his trial, his crucifixion, but in fact that he was directing them in advance. And the, the recording of his sayings about those events, including, you know, going to the city, you'll find a man with a jar, he's going to uh, you say the master wants us to, you know, go to the room that you have prepared, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Jesus was that prophet and that Messiah in advance, setting the ball rolling. Um, let me see. There's another couple of things. One of the other things, of course, in Zechariah 13, it prophesies about a shepherd king that would be appointed by God over his people. And then it says, but the Lord will smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. 
And once again, that's exactly what happened with the crucifixion of Jesus and all of the disciples scattered. The people, of course, were in consternation. They didn't know what was happening. This one that they had expected was the Messiah. They'd seen him raised up, crucified, dead. Now what? Um, and the Romans were still in power and the religious hierarchy was going on its own way like nothing had ever happened. So um, the great kingship prophecies were all fulfilled. Zechariah 14, in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. And that's literally where Jesus comes down on the colt. And in fact, Ed, if you, if you would, there's a, a beautiful um, piece of art by Giotto that was, uh, met, was created in 1305. And it's um, in the Arena Chapel in Padua. But it's interesting, this is, um, like I said, from the 1300s. There's art about the triumphal entry starting way back, 400, and then again around um, AD 1000. But this one is beautiful. There are a few things about it. You can see, first of all, Jesus is sitting side saddle, if you notice. He's sitting like this. And the imagery was to say that that is the king sitting on his throne, which is very different than, you know, if he was riding in on a horse. His fingers raised, his hand raised with the two fingers. That is, was understood to be an abbreviation of the letters of the name of Jesus and a reference to Philippians 2 that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you see, so obviously at the triumphal entry, every tongue was shouting and they were, you know, bowing and recognizing and wel welcoming the King of Glory. And in many of the traditional um, arts, you can see the, the nimbus or the glory surrounding these people that are behind Jesus. That's obviously representing uh, his disciples. And then here are the nations, the crowd hailing him, entering into Jerusalem. He came over the Mount of Olives, across the Kidron Valley, and in through the Golden Gate, which is sealed now. And that's the gate that when he comes... He will physically enter into Jerusalem through that now closed gate. And if you've never had an opportunity to go to Jerusalem and Israel and stand at the Church of All Nations, interestingly enough, and look across the, the Kidron Valley towards the Golden Gate, you will be standing on the literal geography where Jesus will come and break through again into Jerusalem as the King of Kings. Amen. And... Um, uh, many of the triumphal entry works of art, you see the little guy over here up in the tree, it's the same guy, his back and then his face, that's Zacchaeus of all things, and that's because in Luke's accounting of the triumphal entry, Luke 19 opens with the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus saying to him, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house today. So all of these events are um, surrounding this entry into the holy city. The colt had never been, war, uh, never been ridden on. Again, a prophetic sign huh, that there would be no king like Jesus who would make himself the beast of burden to bear the sins of many. And um, it's a, a 
reminder even of the images, again, from the Old Testament, Genesis 49, in which Judah is promised a scepter, the, the ruler's staff, and it says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. So it's prophesying the, this little foreshadowing of Jesus entering in, becoming the lamb, and then his coming again, where that provision is redemption for all who choose him. And to him shall the obedience of the people be. Binding his donkey to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, his clothes, clothes in the blood of grapes. So all the way back in Genesis 49, the Old Testament prophets were speaking of the day, the literal events of Holy Week that we will be celebrating this week going forward from today all the way through Friday, Good Friday it's called. It was not a good day in the natural, but it was the best day for the whole cosmos and specifically for you and I because now everything has changed. And so uh, like Pastor read Zechariah 9, exalt greatly, O daughter of Zion, Shout for joy, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just a savior, humble, riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of the donkey. Praise the Lord. The spreading of the cloaks and branches. Again, the, like the enthronement of David and all of the Old Testament promises were that there would be a son who would sit on the throne of David. And so once again, the reason that the people were doing what they were doing is because they were absolutely certain that that was the moment that it would happen. In 2 Kings 9, it says, the Jews entered the citadel with shouts of praise, waving palm branches, playing harps and cymbals, lyres, and singing hymns and canticles because a great enemy of Israel had been crushed. And David was being crowned king. Psalm 118, the great shouts of Hosanna. Save now, Lord. Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. So let's say together, Hosanna. Save now, Lord. And we can, again, think of the whole city saying that with full gusto because they knew this was the moment. But we say it. Because we know we live outside of the bounds of time now. We have been made eternal. We have been given eternal life. And though our bodies may lay down before we see the Lord, we will live forever. And we dwell with him now in his kingdom. He is ruling and reigning until all things be put under his feet. And so we celebrate with shouts of Hosanna, save now, Lord. Do your glorious work today, Lord. Send now prosperity, Lord. Prosper and bless your people. Deliver us through the power of your name. Refill and replenish us with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Anoint your people. Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Amen. Amen. It's amazing how the 
this year the calendars kind of get congruent to each other, the Old Testament. So the, the Jews, or the Hebrew calendar, underlines the Passover at the season. So this is when it's so amazing. We, On one hand, the real lamb is the one, the lamb of God, who's, who uses his blood to cover our sins. But Exodus 12, and it's occurring today, onwards, Passover season. This is when in verse, I mean, basically Exodus 12, way back there, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be your beginning of months, shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And see, from way back how the Lord is considerate and one of the things that I felt like we needed a slight adjustment in the previous revival, especially the charismatic revival, is that the emphasis came, there were some good reasons for it, but it should not have been taken to mean what God did uh, on Calvary or way back what the Lord implied in Exodus. But a lamb is for a household. So, they, I mean, basically you could assume that the family would be saved. As far as the Lord is concerned, that is the ideal. You take the lamb for the household. So Jesus, as he comes, we don't want to presume, but we would, number one, as a pastor, I would say, especially if they are kids, um, and the demonic realm of the dark side is still active and we therefore are called to stand and be a witness for Jesus and stand against every power of darkness and know that you have authority, that all this Jesus, all that Jesus did was for our sake, but not just individually. If you're able to, let your whole family come in. And this is part of the training that we, I think the Lord wants to, for us to be, pay some attention to. It used to be that Abraham, part of the blessing that he said, the reason the Lord blessed him was part of the reason was the Lord knew that he would bring up his children knowing the Holy Scriptures. So here, as the blessing of Passover comes, uh, speak to the congregation of Israel. The Lord is speaking, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Say, a lamb for a household. 
which gives you until, a, I think, until, well, they go out on their own, but your child is your child. I just want to point out that there are dark influences. And I think it was just yesterday that Nike, the shoe company, came out with a, a limited production, but it is literally dedicated to Satan. And they produced, I believe, the first production is 666. It's 666. And that they even, I don't know what, how they did it, but supposedly there are dark, I mean, there are red spots indicating the blood. But this is the devil's, I didn't know that Nike was involved in spiritual things, but it's a surprise. But this, it's, it's dedicated to, the one who produced it was a, a rap singer. And but I, I could not believe my eyes. I said, no, this, is, this cannot be. And yet they are. So, we, I mean, literally this, the calling uh, on the devil. And even when he's ignoring them, they say, hey, look at us. <laughs> I think almost. It, and it's nothing to be frightened about, but it's a notice for us to be aware to, and to take authority that there are people that are inadvertently have uh, done certain things and sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you. I was ministering in a mixed congregation, but this was mainly a Catholic conversation. And uh, I felt... There was a prayer line, and I was praying for them. And then the Lord said, wait. So I said, something significant happened to you either yesterday or this week. What happened? And she, at first, I mean, she was in total consternation. But just two, three days before, she had had an abortion. And it was the, the Lord, it was not something, by the way, the Lord was concerned for her and gave me literally, I don't get that all the time, but gave me a word. This needs to be taken authority over. She needs to repent. And I want, she needs the blessing right now. So did she got delivered but it just makes us aware that these things are happening. And if you heed the voice of the Lord, he wants to guide each of us to help people be delivered. I would say, I would have a suspicion almost that if anybody wise is wearing that shoe, I would recommend you take that shoe off and uh, renounce that thing. But anyway... This is, this is Holy Week. This is the week. The lamb for a household. That whole chapter, Exodus 12. But you see how 
the Lord himself is emphasizing, take the blood, put it on the doorpost, and take this, the roast, the lamb, and eat it, and you are going to be released and come out of Egypt now. But the meal you are having, you shall eat it with, with belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and you shall, your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Say the Lord's Passover. Say, I am blessed through the blood of Jesus. And I plead the blood over myself, my children, my home, even my car. My finances are blessed through the blood of Jesus. And does God changes their whole financial picture as they get delivered out of Egypt, the Lord puts it on the hearts of the Egyptians to turn around and give them all the major wealth of Egypt. The Lord turned it around and had them overnight get paid for 400 years of robbery. Uh, it's wonderful. So they were not poor when they came out of Egypt. They, they had been enriched by the blood of the Lamb to walk out in triumph in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So this is, and then Jesus enters and says, well, we are going to do it for real. I'm going to take on the burdens of every family on earth and they are going to be blessed because I am who I am, the Son of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for salvation. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for the blood. Thank you that the Messiah, the King, at whose name every knee bows and tongue confesses, this is the week we want to humble ourselves and tell you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Lord's Passover. Thank you for the Lamb I receive on behalf of myself, my family, my loved ones. Blessing at the throne of God. Jesus, you are highly exalted. You have the name which is above every name. Thank you, Lord. I do receive all your blessings. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I would like to, we, we're going to, if you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ, or you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or you want a specific prayer to turn your back on any power, negative power over your family, It'll be a good time here. And so I'm going to ask our prayer warriors, those who lead, help us pray. Come over here. Come up here and stand, please, if you will. And I want those who want to give their lives to Jesus Christ, come up. Those who want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you will come and receive prayer. Thank you, Lord. You want to give your life to Jesus. This will be a good time. Please 
and those watching us on the World Wide Web, if you are giving your life to Jesus, let us know. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And remember, give some time of giving thanks to the Lord for this week uh, because the Lord 2,000 years ago was in the process of blessing you and your family. And I think of the phrase in Exodus 12 where the Lord said, this month will be the beginning of months for your year from now on that every man take a lamb, a lamb for a house, slay the lamb, strike the blood on the doorposts and the lintels. And the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So we receive afresh as a congregation, as a family here, near, and far, the power of the blood that is speaking better things, that is speaking salvation and blessing, forgiveness and peace, reconciliation and wholeness that speaks hope in the face of despair, that speaks healing in the face of infirmity, that speaks shalom to every storm, that speaks more than enough to emptiness and poverty. And we welcome today, in this season of Advent, a fresh outpouring and supply of the oil and wine of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives and for our families. Lord Jesus, our Passover lamb, Amen. crowned king and seated on your throne in heaven, we shout Hosanna today, welcoming you afresh in full entry into our lives, our hearts, our homes, our families, our work, our nations, our cities, and in full anticipation that our eyes shall see you in your coming. We cry, Hosanna, Lord, come, save now, send now prosperity. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.